1: That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia.
2: Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt, and I'm always, always so glad that you joined me. And today, I have to give a little bit of a introduction preamble to this. Um, I, I if, if you are certainly a family member, this will help just all the way across the board. But this will also maybe help if you're an employer um, or if you certainly are working in the workplace. Because what I'm going to talk about today is the fact that we now have five generations that are working together and, and that are all experiencing one another. And so we also have five generations in the workforce, which is the first time in history. Because... Traditionally, the workplace and our families really have, have traditionally consisted of the older generation and the younger generation. There's really only been two, two, two generations, maybe three, if we included, like, grandchildren. And so it used to be that that we viewed the older people as stuck in their ways, and, and the older people viewed the younger people as, you know, interlopers, uh Um, rebellious, um, upstarts, however they wanted to, you know, however you want to word it. And so times have changed, and seemingly overnight. So what we're seeing for the first time in history is this idea that we have five very distinct generations represented um, in our families, socially, and um, in our industry. So although this makes for a great opportunity of growth, creativity, innovation, it also has contributed to a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion, misunderstandings, and sometimes hardship. So getting past these generational biases and learning to work together toward a common goal happens when we effectively manage these generational dynamics. So the culture and major historical events of its time shape the worldview of each generation and how they approach work and life communication, uh, time management, money, and entertainment. So these historical events, what you're going to find as we look at these different generations is how deeply they are affected and how it completely changes their worldview, their perspective, their orientation, uh, their reference points. And so what we have in all these generations is they have a tendency to differ in everything from dress code, work hours, communication, opinions, time and management. And absolutely, they differ very dramatically in value systems, what um, what they criticize, what they judge, whether or not they even criticize or judge. Uh, what what they're, they're, When we talk about value systems, what they think are absolutes, what is black and white may not be black and white to other generations. And so understanding the factors that create and constitute a generation as well as what makes up generation, a generation unique is imperative if we're going to successfully understand and figure out how to effectively interact with one another, how to have dynamic relationships that cause us all to grow and increase our relationship um, enjoyment and certainly help to bring out the best in us. So in spite of the many differences each generation possesses and the complexities therein, um, the enduring needs that accompany human beings largely remain unchanged. And that enduring need when it comes to human beings always is the impetus of this show, and that is relationship. That Humans still require relationship, are very interested in relationship, are very affected by relationship, And have a desire and a deep need to be heard, understood, accepted, wanted, have a sense of belonging. So what we're going to do in this particular show today, and always I want to remind you, if you don't get to listen to the entire show, you can go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. You can download it um, as a podcast. You can also listen to it right on on the computer from my website. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the differences and the similarities that span these five generations. We're going to look at how they work together, play together, understand each other, motivate, what motivates them, and how they actually came to be and the historical events that created that generation. So we're going to make sure that we understand the differences, and the similarities. And through that, understanding and accepting, obviously, we're going to learn to accept those reference points and recognize the orientation of each of that generation. And that helps us to increase our relationship uh, uh, abilities. That helps us to increase our ability to connect, to interact, to appreciate, and to grow from knowing one another. And so with greater understanding, we have greater acceptance. doesn't mean that we always agree, but it does mean that we get along better. We don't take things as personally, and and we aren't as easily offended. And, and so it's similar when we are looking at gender differences, and we've talked tremendously um, with a tremendous amount on on gender differences. So it's similar when we're talking about gender differences and we're saying this is the hardwiring of women, this is the hardwiring of men, We certainly don't want to indulge in that hardwiring, but it's learning where the orientation is, where the reference points are, what motivates, inspires, and drives the different genders. Well, we add generation to that, and we get a very, very complex, very interesting schema that we're looking at. So when we say in general, always remember that in general, that we want to make sure that we're applying this properly. And so how do we apply generalities appropriately well the reason that we're using generalities always is because it gives us a foundation gives us a a, a, we understand reference points or orientations or where where they're coming from what what has created their worldview so it helps us to have a base or a structure to work from and to work within so it in no way completely and accurately defines any one person in a group we know that Uh, It it kind of depends on where you're at on the continuum and and depends on how much you want to orient or um, refer to that generation, how much you feel like you connect with it. And so what we do is we're observing and identifying a whole constellation of variables that are found with any particular time constraint. And that's the key. Generations are created in time. So there is a time constraint And this time constraint profoundly affects that group of individuals. And what we find is that it seems to continuously define that group. So it affects how they think, respond, perceive, judge, how they create certain value systems that affect and follow them throughout their entire lifespan. So remember, we don't judge the initial effect. We don't judge the effect a time constraint had on a particular Um, group of people because none of us had any choice determining the era that we were born within. We simply respond or react to that era and we hope that we all respond with integrity and, and character. So consequently, the era to which we were born within creates the orientation and the reference points that continue to define us either by identifying it or rejecting that particular generation. So, when we look at orientation or reference points, many times they may be race. Like we've said, they may be gender. An orientation or reference point may be my faith or religion. It might be uh, music. It may be art. It, it could be the part of country, the, the country that you're born in. Um, it could be the state, the city. So, what we see is that, that when we're looking at what we call cohorts, that's a, a group of, of things that we are generalizing. And so there's a lot of things that can create that, but today what we're looking at is these generational or these social generation uh, general generalities. so we also can call them birth cohorts, but that's kind of a kind of an esoteric term so but these these generational or social social cohorts these have extremely um, strong orientations and reference points because they contain all these little microcosmic reference points that we said, like gender, race, religion, country, city, all, all these different things, and they they make those reference points with a macrocosmic era. So a, so these little variables fit inside this big variable, which is the era. And so when you couple that, and this is this is really important, when you couple that. With the fact that the developmental years uh, of individuals are adolescents this is the strongest anchoring points that we make is what we experience in adolescence and so in this there there's this high identification and differentiation and a lot of cognitive structural changes are all experienced in adolescence and then we get this wash of powerful memory-searing sexual hormones which is why I can remember my best friend's phone number. And sometimes I can't remember my husband's phone number. So I can remember my best friend's phone number in high school. I can remember all those songs that, that um, we were doing. I, can, I was a cheerleader. I can even remember cheers that I did in high school. And I have a hard time maybe remembering what happened yesterday or the week before. And so what happens in adolescence is those sexual hormones of, of uh, that pubescent um, activity really sears memories into our mind. And so that is how that orientation is, is created, is that era that we were born in from 10 years old to 20 years old, that developmental process creates this huge um, generality for us. It creates a paradigm of how we view the world, creates a, a way that we learn to value things, how we value time, how we value money, how we value inter, uh, relationships, Our our value system gets challenged in adolescence. And so what we're seeing is that these are the strongest reference points that occur. So remember, generalities are not absolutes. They're working definitions that help us understand those reference points. So I want you to join me in the next segment, and we're going to start talking about those specific generations that go all the way back to the 1900s, all the way to 2014. And each generation is broken up and they are all unique and all have varying degrees of experiences that are super important to them. So join me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Welcome back. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And today we are doing a really fun show that I really have enjoyed um, talking and speaking about. And this is on the five generations that we now have that are all interacting together. And this is the first time in history that we have had five, even six, maybe seven generations occurring simultaneously. We have them Relationally, we also have them socially, and we also have them in the workplace. So this is really a show for everybody because we all interact with all these different people of different generations. So we left the last um, segment, and I wanted to make sure that you understood that if you miss this show or you can't listen to the show in its entirety, you can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. Sounds it's spelled just how it sounds, CynthiaHyatt.com. And there's a media tab and you just, uh, you know, press on the media tab and you can go to the, where the, all the radio shows are. And so you can download it as a podcast or you can just listen to it on your computer. So this idea of generations, we talked in the last segment about how they are created and w- the influence that they have and how, how powerful they are in the way that we interact within our world. So we're reminding ourselves that generalities obviously are not absolutes. They're working definitions that help us understand the reference points and orientations in which all our opinions and behaviors, perceptions, values in general emanate from. So what creates and constitutes a generation? Well, this is really important. The, the, the term generation is often used synonymously with birth cohort, and I spoke a little bit about that. In the previous part of the hour or it's also called a social generation now these terms mean a people within a delineated population who experience the same significant events within any given period of time so when we're looking at an era we are saying that these generations are created within a time constraint that has to have occurred so you don't get to choose what year you're born in God determines where he places you in time and so an era is created in a time constraint. And if you look back historically, eras ha- have, have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. It used to be they were measured many times in thousands of years. Then, then it became hundreds of years. And then uh, in the 1900s, we, we could really delineate um, those, those eras by fashion. And it was every 10 years fashions would change. Well, now we're seeing that music and fashion and art are just rolling on top of one another we can't keep track of what's in style to save our life i mean whatever may be in style may have to do very much with the people that you hang out with so it's a very different time that we're in so these time constraints are going to define how each each of us experience our world how we perceive our world what's important to us what drives us motivates us inspires us so these common experiences shape the attitudes and the motivations experienced by each member therefore what you'll see is each generation has a unique set of values now it doesn't mean that everybody in that generation adheres to the value but they have a unique set of values they also react to the generation before them so when we talked earlier we were talking about it used to be there was two generations occurring the young people the old people the young people always said the old people don't know what they're talking about they're stuck in time they're you know passe their ideas are archaic We have no use for them. The older people thought the younger people were disrespectful. They didn't, you know, wait till they find out what what life is really like. So what we have is that the era that we're in, we always react to the generation before us. And we use the generation as a standard for comparison. So whatever generation I'm born in, that becomes how I compare other generations. I'm going to compare what they do, what they think to mine. So, we also see that not only do they look at the generation before, but they look at the generation coming up, or the next generation, and they always look at the next generation skeptically. Now, of course, I say always and never, in general. They look at the next generation skeptically. And so, they're going to say things like, well, you know, those, those kids today, or they really don't know what's coming, or wait till they find out how hard it is or what it's like, or wow, I wish I had it that easy whatever it is that I'm doing comparing before me and comparing what's coming after me. So those people that are born on the cusp of generations have have blended characteristics, like myself. I'm born at the very end of baby boomers and the very beginning of Gen Xs. And so I really relate more to baby boomers, and I would consider myself more of a baby boomer because I fit in that generation in the way that I think, respond, react, the value system that I have, what I relate to. So the last thing we understand about generational or social cohorts is that they're either idealistic, reactive, civic, or adaptive. And that's really important to understand because when I'm looking at the different generations, I'm going to figure out where really they're coming from. And so when I look at Generation Y or Millennials, Generation Z, this is the youngest generation we have right now in the workforce, have a tendency to be a combination of very civic very very adaptive highly adaptive and when we look at maybe uh, the traditionalists which are people that were born in 1925 to about 1945 their tendency may be to be more civic or more reactive when we look at baby boomers they, they are extremely idealistic so those are obviously in general so these five generations have been identified and delineated for identification and study. And this is what we have based this on. So depending on the source, you may see a lot of different names for each generation. And you may see birth date ranges that vary slightly. But the following key points that I'm going to really talk to you about will provide kind of a basic for um, generational or and relational strategies, workplace strategies, these types of things. So... What you want to think about is most generations kind of span a, a 15, 20-year period. And so these are the five generations that we have that are, that are the, the most uh, salient ones, the ones that are right kind of in the middle that are actually active. And so we have 1925 to 1945. These are what we call veterans or traditionalists. And these are, these are the people that experienced World War II. They grew up in the Depression probably. We have from 1946 to 1964, these are baby boomers. Some of that is 1945 to uh, 1960, 1962. So this is the sandwich generation. These are the people that have elderly parents they're caring for. Then they have children that they're caring for and even grandchildren. So they're sandwiched right in the middle. Then we have 1965 to about 1980. Those people born in that time. That's the Gen X people, or sometimes they're called Baby Busters. And then from 1977 to 1995, or sometimes they say people born from 1981 to 2000, these are the millennials or, or Gen Y. Sometimes they're called Echo Boomers, the Net Generation, Nexus Generation, but they're generally referred to as millennials and Generation Y. And the, the last one, the fifth one that we're going to talk about today a, a little bit is the people that are born 1995 and later and these are Gen Z. Sometimes they're called Linksters, New Millennials, Generation Next, Generation Nine Eleven. They really haven't figured out what they want to call them but they're generally referred to as Gen Z. So we've got these five generations. So before the traditionalists, that, that, that generation is the GI generation and they're like 1900 and 1925 and we still have them even active So, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me again as we talk about the five generations. I hear the whispers in my heart. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. This is Cynthia Hyatt. And today, we are talking about decades of differences, the five generations that are happening simultaneously in our workplace, in our families, socially. And what we have found and what we have been talking about is that truly it used to be that we only had two generations happening at one time. We had the older generation and the younger generation. Well, right now, we have five very distinct generations that are occurring that are interacting together, that are working together, playing together, socializing. And that really has never happened. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the longevity that we have going right now, especially in America. So we talked about the five different generations. And we have what we call the traditionalists. That's about 1925 to 1945. That's when those people were born. They experienced probably World War II, a lot of the Great Depression. We're going to talk more about them in a minute. Then we have people that were born from about 1946, maybe to 1960, 1962. These are what we call baby boomers and or the sandwich generation. And we refer to them as the sandwich generation because they're kind of sandwiched with a ton of responsibility. They're in between caring for older parents, caring for children, and maybe caring for a second family because they may be divorced and, and remarried and have children from another in another family, and then on top of that, they might have grandchildren. So they've got a lot of people that they are kind of being responsible for. We also then, after the baby boomers, those people are born from 1965 to about 1980. This is what we call Generation X or Gen Xers. Then we have Generation Y, uh, Millennials. They're also called Millennials or Generation Y, and they were born from about 1977 to 2000. Uh, sometimes it's people say is as much as 1995 some say 1981 to 2000 so this is the this span in terms of the millennials and gen y i usually say from about 77 to 2000 that kind of catches them well and after that from 1995 if you were born in 1995 or later we call you generation z sometimes you're called linksters new millennials generation next generation 911 boomlets zoomers we haven't figured out what we're going to call generation Z yet. So when we look at generational snapshots, it's really helpful to understand what really formed those paradigms or schemas that cause that person to see the world um, in the way that they do. So when we look at generationals, or veterans, these this was sometimes called the silent generation. This generation was plagued with war and economic instability because of the Great Depression. So they, they watched um, America become a global superpower after World War II. Huge uh, construct in terms of how you view the world. And so if you have parents that were born in this uh, generation, traditionalists, then you might even see them as hoarders. Many times you, you might see some of that because they really uh, were very affected by the, the different instability and, and seeing their parents fight through the Great Depression. And so the, these people are not frivolous in their spending a, at all. Um, if Some of them in their retiring years have kind of broken through that because this generation, uh, these retirees spend more money than anyone on vacationing, which is awesome for this this group. So these people are very careful with money. They're very conservative. They have a great respect for authority. So when you think about interacting with a traditionalist, you're going to understand how important authority is to them. They were, they were born, raised into be- really believing that you were to have a great respect for authority regardless of whether or not you agreed with them. They also were intimidated by authority. So these parents, uh, they may have fought in World War II. They also may have experienced fight- the, the fighting of Korean and Vietnam War. So this generation grew up without television. When you think about the traditionalists, the amount of technology, they have had to assimilate and integrate is mind-boggling. They grew up with no television, barely phones, all the way to the computers that they are experiencing now, and and I, you know, the the, the any of the PDAs, the iPads, the iPhones, uh, smartphones, all the technology that they have now that they have, are having to integrate compared to what they grew up with, which was more paper. So. They're very loyal to their employers. Job security is very important. They don't switch jobs. They're, this generation was kind of the pre-feminist people because these are the, the, the women that really started working, but they generally did positions as teachers, nurses, secretaries, these types of things. And men pledged loyalty to the corporation. Once you got a job, you kept it. So they married for life. Divorce, having children out of wedlock, completely unacceptable. And I'm going to end with this. This is really funny. In grade school, the gravest teacher complaints in that era were passing notes and chewing gum in class. Contrast that to today's schools. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we finish up this idea of all the decades of differences and the five generations that we're dealing with. Joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And before I forget, I want to encourage you if you have not been able to listen to the show completely, um, you can go to my website at com That's C I N T H I A dot com. Also, I want to encourage you always to like my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Inc. Lots of fun things, um, little insights and inspirations, motivational uh, sayings, and And also where I might be speaking or singing, so love it when you join me there and give me any uh, of your feedback, and love it when you ask me questions. And then also if you are looking for a keynote speaker, I'm always available, and you can contact me through the website as well. So we are looking at the five generations in in the workplace, in our social uh, life as well, and how this differs from the way things used to be it used to be that we just had two generations we had the older people we had the younger people now we've got five very specific generations so if you didn't catch the beginning I want you to really go to the website and listen to the beginning of the show when I explain how generations are created and and um, how we study them and how they are affecting the way that we interact in our world today so we left off on traditionalists and understanding traditionalists, that were, these people were born in between 1925, 1945. The the one thing that you want to remember about this generation is they are the generation that has a strong sense of absolute truths, and they share a lot of common values. In that generation, there are very specific social norms of what was expected when you were out in public, how you were to dress, how you were to talk, how you were to behave. There's a lot of peer pressure, positive peer pressure, to require people behaved in certain ways. And there there was a lot of expectation on what mature behavior was. There there was an absolute understanding that there were there were specific right, specific wrong, pretty black and white, very absolute in in many of the ways that they think. And so they're very disciplined, very self-sacrificing, they dislike conflict. And a really important understanding of this generation is they view History, they want to understand history as a way to plan for the future, and they are, they are very cautious. So let's look at baby boomers. These people were born from about 1946 to 1964. They also maybe were called the Woodstock generation or sandwich generation. So think about uh, this generation and the shows that they may have watched on television. This was like Brady Bunch, Walt Disney, um, Partridge Family, The Odd Couple. Uh, these, they also, the, the famous movie Kramer versus Kramer, So this generation also fought in wars abroad, maybe Vietnam War. And so um, these people grew up with typewriters rather than computers. This group is highly educated, um, desiring, and and they would see a better lifestyle than their parents. This generation, they they created workaholism. They created the 50-60 hour work week. They're very motivated by power and money. They thrive on adrenaline charged assignments at work they play hard they work hard they're the first generation to have their own children raised in a two-income household this meant that mom was not omnipresent this is where we get the latchkey kid that's gen xers are referred to as the latchkey kids now they represent the largest group um, in the workforce right now so when they retire it's going to be like the largest brain drain corporate america has ever experienced and so Like we said, they're the sandwich generation. They do child care and elder care. They're also the first generation to use retirement to mean the ability to enjoy life after their children have left home, which we're seeing that a lot of their children are not leaving home. So that's a whole other thing. They're the one of the largest generations in history with about 77, 80 million people. Now the millennials are surpassing them right now. So the first TV generation, they grew up on TV Um, they also this generation is the first divorce generation where divorce was accepted and tolerated as a new reality and so uh, they had the highest divorce rate of any generation we have ever known and they've also been involved in really important changes like uh, the beginning of accepting of homosexuality the start of using the pill they did a lot of civil rights movements so when we look at gen x These are people that are born from 1965 to 1980, and they're the latchkey generation. They're the products of divorced parents. And so these people are the smallest generation we have right now of all the five generations. And they are highly independent, very family-focused, very intolerant of bureaucracy. They're pretty critical, skeptical, hardworking, socially responsible. Um, they may struggle a little bit with uh, conversation as do the the following two generations because they kind of were raised a lot with media and they were raised on their own. They kind of had to figure everything out on their own. So they're kind of short on loyalty. They're pretty wary of commitment. They saw institutions fail their parents. Uh, they saw their parents fail them as well. They saw their families completely fall apart and lose whatever savings it may have had. They saw their parents fight unmercifully in courts over them. Um, So they're very wary of marriage in many ways. They have this generation and some to the second and third generation we're talking about have a tendency to see getting married as the reason your relationship fails versus understanding what went into the marriage, what wasn't managed in the marriage as to why the marriage failed. So this uh, generation can be kind of self-absorbed and pretty suspicious of organizations. And so because they experience the highest divorce rate, they are survivors as well as individuals, and so they're pretty cautious. They're pretty unimpressed with authority. They're pretty self-reliant. Uh, this this generation, AIDS begin to spread, and it's the first lethal infectious disease in history that any culture on earth um, experienced that was not subjected to any quarantine. For them, drugs in school was a problem. They are extremely proud of how they parent and how they raise their kids. Um, and they they really have a tendency to when it comes to work they really work hard to take time off they they're the generation that really doesn't care so much if you like them or not they they certainly want to be respected and they want to be respected for who they are as people and and they don't have this great need for a lot of accolades they really just want to be appreciated for how how well they do and they really want to be rewarded by time and so This next one we have is the millennials. And these people were born from 1981 to 1995. This is what we call the entitled generation. So I'm hoping that y'all aren't getting, you know, offended by any of this. It's really helpful information to understand what we've got going on and how shaped, how how these generational experiences shaped these people. So millennials, they are highly socialized, very loyal, technologically savvy like crazy because this generation Um, really integrated this and and they what we would say is like the traditionals they had to they had to adapt Um, the baby boomers had to adapt to technology generation x they they kind of had to assimilate it but millennials they integrated it they integrated technology and so these people they schedule everything they feel enormous academic pressure they prefer many times to work in teams and they are much more globally minded. I mean, they, along with Generation Z, are super excited about the world. And they really see the world as their global playground. They really don't feel limited by, um, by land space. And so they have unlimited access to information and they tend to be super assertive and have strong views. And they have envisioned the world as 24 seven. So they want fast, immediate processing. Now, this is the generation um, that was told over and over again how special they are. And they kind of expect the world to treat them in that way. They they were the generation that were kind of coddled. They They kind of got the trophy for coming in eighth place. And, you know, they got rewarded for graduating from kindergarten. And so they have, they experience what we call helicopter parents. And so they're used to being around adults all the time. And that's what's different about traditionalists and baby boomers Versus the Millennials and Gen Z. Millennials and Gen Z, they like being around adults. They're very comfortable being around adults. They're not intimidated uh, by adults. And so the, 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 uh, the parents of the of Millennials had a tendency to coddle, and they were the ones that really paved the way for them constantly and run, ran interference for their kids all the time. And this idea of nobody messes with my kid, even if their kid was wrong. And so the the millennials kind of have to have a hard um, learning curve out in the world in many ways. And they're they're struggling some with that, that the world is not as easy as they think. And they are having to understand that they may have to make some of their own way. And so millennials, they don't live to work. They prefer a more relaxed working environment and they need some handholding. They kind of experienced falling crime rates, falling teen pregnancy rates, But the one thing millennials experienced differently than any other generation was school safety. And they had to live with the thought that they could be shot at school. And they learned very early in the world that school was not necessarily a safe place, which is a huge contrast to the way that I grew up. And, And very sad. Very sad. So they're currently, what we were saying is the largest generation. Larger than baby boomers. And they are three times larger than Gen Xers. So this last generation that we're going to talk about, these people are the generation Z, and they're born after 1995. They are the youngest group in the workforce now. So if you have someone working for you or a kid that's working or you are working and you're you're at this age listening to this show, you're probably working and you're maybe around 17, 18, 19 years old. And so this generation is extremely techno savvy instant messaging is the preferred mode of communication they kind of say email is for quote-unquote old folks where all of us baby boomers have finally got caught up with email and so this this uh, generation of protective parents they were monitored by adults often and they see this as a positive means of protection so when i'm working with people that kind of are generation y and especially gen z they they don't um think of uh, of me interacting with them regularly as me micromanaging them. They really feel like that's a means of protection, that I'm there to help them, I'm there to kind of um, protect and encourage. And so they really like hanging out with adults, which is very different from generations previously. Uh, my generation, baby boomers, that, that was not something that we grew up with wanting to do, hang around adults. We wanted to do everything we could to necessarily get away from them uh, in a lot of ways. So... They're pretty happy, they're pretty confident, pretty secure. And they're team players. They like to engage in community service. One of the things that's very different about Gen Z especially, and and some of Gen Y, everything is co-ed. Everything is co-ed, which is very different than what previous generations have experienced. Because these children are growing older, younger, and they are much more interested in toys that are desiring of technology. So they're very savvy consumers. We also have kind of two age groups in this cohort. We have the tweens, and these people are like 8 to 12. And there's a, about an estimated 29 million of these um, people, maybe even more. And so they, the, the people under the age of 12 right now, the, this generation, they, they really are the ones that have grown up with technology. They've, they're doing computers when they're 8 months old. They're doing you know, iPads and And that's a lot of where their entertainment comes from. So they learn very differently. They learn very quickly. So I'm hoping this was helpful for you. I really like uh, studying people, obviously, and and I love learning different ways to understand them. So I'm hoping that maybe this gave you some understanding of orientation, um, reference points, why people may feel or act or think the way that they do so that we can really truly have, a, have more ways to connect, more ways to accept, more ways to enjoy one another, and to see people as, as really how God has made them to be, and that God is very much in charge of when people are born and what is going on in the generations. And we have some really good things that are going on in, these, in, in all of these generations and the things that God is doing. And it's exciting to see these younger generations and a lot of the really good things that are coming out of them. They're civic-minded. They're excited about the future. They really want to change the world. And so we really want to encourage that. This is Cynthia Hyatt Conversations with Cynthia. Always join me on my Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's incorporated. And uh, my my, uh, website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Have a great week.